Hello, and welcome to the Short Story Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Wolfrey. We have a wonderful story for you to listen to. But first, I would like to tell you a little bit about how the show works. You know, this being our first podcast. The reason why we're doing this podcast is because lots of folks who are writing short stories and have no way to get them out there. Well, we've got a way to do that with this podcast. One of my interests are for short stories, especially. And I want to help writers. Any writer who wants or needs recognition for their works. And also a chance to have their stories published out into the world for thousands or potentially millions of listeners, including book publishers and agents and the like. This podcast is free for anyone to listen to, but donations are needed to keep us afloat. Uh, Let's see here. Okay, we've got it. And here we go. This wonderful story is written by Mrs. Molesworth and narrated by Ben Wolfrey. Once upon a time, in an old town, on an old street, there stood a very old house. Such a house as you could hardly find nowadays, however you searched, for it belonged to a time gone past. It stood on a street, but yet not like a townhouse, for though the front opened right to the pavement, the back window looked out upon the beautiful, quaintly terraced garden, with old trees growing so thick and close together that in the summer it was like living on the edge of the forest to be near them. And even in winter, the web of their interlaced branches hid all clear view behind. There was a colony of rocks in the old garden. Year after year, they held their parliaments and called and chattered and fussed. Year after year, they built their nests and hatched their eggs. Year after year, I suppose, the old ones gradually died off and the young ones took their place. But for knowing this must be so, no one would have suspected it. For all appearances, the rocks were always the same, ever and always the same. Time indeed stood still in and all around the house, as if it and the people who inhabited it had gotten so old that they could not get any older. They had outlived the possibility of change. But one day, at last, there did come a change. Late in the dusk of the autumn afternoon, a carriage drove up to the door of the old house, came rattling over the stones with a sudden noisy clatter. That sounded quite important, startling the rocks away, just as they were composing themselves to rest and setting them all wondering about what could be the matter. A little girl was the matter, a little girl in a gray merino flock 
and a gray beaver bonnet, gray tippet and gray gloves, all gray together, even her eyes, all except her round rosy face and bright brown hair. Her name even was rather gray, for her name was Griselda. A gentleman lifted her out of the carriage and disappeared with her into the house. And later, that same evening, the gentleman came out of the house and got into the carriage, which had come back for him again, and drove away. That was all the rocks have seen of the change of the old house. Shall we go inside and see more? Up the shallow, wide, old-fashioned staircase, past the wainscoted walls, dark and shining like a mirror, down a long, narrow passage with many doors, which but for their gleaming brass handles, one would have never known there were doors there. The oldest of the three servants led little Griselda, who was so tired and sleepy that her supper had left her almost untasted, to the room that was prepared for her. It was a strange room, for everything in the house was strange. But in the dancing light of the fire burning brightly in the till grate, it looked cheerful enough. I'm glad there's a fire, said the child. Will it keep all night until morning, do you think? The old servant shook her head. Twould not be safe to leave it all that time burning until morning, she said. When you are in bed and asleep, little missy, you won't even want the fire. You won't need it. Bed's the warmest place. It, it isn't for that I want, said Griselda. It's for the light. I, I like it. This house all looks so dark to me, and yet there seems to be lights, hidden inside of the walls, too. They shine so. The old servant smiled. It will all seem strange to you, no doubt, she said, but you'll get used to it, Missy. Tis a good old house, and those that know it best love it well. Whom do you mean, said Griselda? Do you mean my great auntie? Ah, yes, and others beside, replied the old woman. Did you ever hear tell of the good people, Missy? Over the sea, where you come from? Fairies, do you mean? cried Griselda, her eyes sparkling. Of course I've heard of them. But I've never seen any. Did you ever? I couldn't say, answered the old woman. My mind is not young like yours, Missy. And there are times when strange memories come back to me, as of sights and sounds in a dream. I am too old to see and hear like I once could. We are all old here, Missy. Twas time someone young came to live at this old house again. How strange everything seems, thought Griselda, as she got into her bed. I don't feel as if I belong to it. And they all are so old, 
Perhaps they wouldn't like having a child among them. I never heard if they slept well that night after such unusual excitement. It was hardly to be expected that they would. But Griselda, being a little girl, was so tired that in two minutes after she hit the bed and tucked herself in, she was quite sound asleep and did not wake for several hours. I wonder what it all would be like in the morning, was her last waking thought. If it was summer now or spring, I shouldn't mind. There would always be something nice to do then, as sometimes happened when she woke again very early in the morning, long before it was light. Her thoughts went straight on to the same subject. If it was summer now, or spring, she repeated to herself, just as if she hadn't been to sleep at all, like the man who fell into a trance for a hundred years, then just woke up saying it the same, thought Griselda. Just as she has gotten so far in her thoughts, she gave a great start. What was that I heard? Could her wish have come true? Was this a fairyland indeed that she had gotten unto, where one only needs to wish for it to be so? She rubbed her eyes, but it was too dark to see. That was not very fairyland-like, but her ears, she felt certain, had not deceived her. She was quite, quite sure that she had heard Cuckoo. Cuckoo? She listened with all her might, but she didn't hear it again. Could it after all been a fancy? She grew sleepy at that last thought, and was just dropping off when, yes, there it was again, as clear and distinct as possible. Cuckoo, 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 three, four, five times. Then, perfect silence. What a funny cuckoo, Griselda thought to herself. I could almost fancy that it was in the house. I wonder if my great auntie had a tame cuckoo in a cage. I don't think I've ever thought such a thing. But this is such a strange house. Everything seems to be different in it. Perhaps they have a tame cuckoo. I'll ask them in the morning. It's very nice to hear whatever it is. And with a pleasant feeling of companionship, with the sense that she was not the only living creature awake in this dark world, Griselda laid listening contently enough for the sweet, fresh notes of the cuckoo's friendly greeting. But before it sounded again, the silent house, she was once more fast asleep. And this time, she slept until daylight and had found its way into all of the very darkest nooks and crannies of this ancient dwelling. She dressed herself carefully. She had been warned that her auntie's love of neatness and precision that she fastened each button on her gray flock 
and tied down her hair as smooth as such a brown tangle could be tied down. And being absorbed with her weightly cares, she forgot all about the cuckoo for the time. It was not until she was sitting at the breakfast table with her auntie and she remembered it, or rather was reminded of it, by some little remark that was made about the friendly robins on the terrace walk outside. Oh, auntie, have you got a cuckoo in a cage? A cuckoo in a cage? repeated the elder aunt. Miss Grizzle, what is this child talking about? In a cage, echoed Miss Tabitha, a cuckoo in a cage. There is a cuckoo somewhere in the house, said Griselda. I heard it at night. It couldn't have been out of doors, could it? Wouldn't it be too cold? The aunts looked at each other with a little smile. So, like her grandmother, she whispered, We have a cuckoo, my dear, though it isn't in a cage, and it isn't a sort of cuckoo that you're thinking of. It lives in a clock. In a clock, exclaimed Griselda, opening her gray eyes very wide. In a clock, she exclaimed. But it can't be alive then. Why not? said Miss Grizzle, looking puzzled. I knew of a little girl once, pursued Miss Griselda, who was quite of opinion that the cuckoo was alive, and nothing would have persuaded her that it was not. So finish your breakfast, my dear, and then, if you would like, you shall come with me to see the cuckoo for yourself. Thank you, Aunt Grisel said Griselda, going on with her bread and milk. Yes, said Miss Tabitha, see the cuckoo for yourself. Thank you, Auntie, said Griselda. It was rather a bother to have always to say thank you or no thank you twice, but Griselda thought it was polite to do so. So, her Auntie always repeated everything that Auntie Grisel said. It wouldn't have mattered, not so much, if Auntie Tabitha had said it at once after Miss Griselda, but she generally made a little pause between. It was something rather awkward. But of course, it was better to say thank you or no thank you twice than to hurt my auntie's feelings. After breakfast, Auntie Griselle was as good as her word, and took Griselda through several of the rooms in the house, pointing out all of the curiosities, and telling all of the histories of the rooms, and their contents, and Griselda liked it, she liked to listen. Only in every room they came to, she wondered when they would get to the room where the cuckoo lived. Auntie Tabitha did not come. She was rather rheumatic. On the whole, Griselda was not sorry. It would have taken such a very long time, you see, to have had all of the histories twice over. And possibly, if Griselda had gotten tired, she may have forgotten about the thank yous and the thank yous and the thank yous twice over. The old house looked quite strange. 
and quaint by daylight, as it had seemed the evening before, almost more so indeed, for the view from the windows added to the sweet old-fashionedness of everything. We have beautiful roses in the summer, observed Miss Grissel, catching sight from the direction in which the child's eyes were wandering. I wish it was summer. I do love summer, said Griselda, but there was a very rosy scent in the room. Even now, Aunt Grizzle thought it was winter, or nearly winter. Miss Grizzle looked pleased. It's my potpourri. They were just then standing in what was called the Great Saloon. A handsome old room, furnished with gold and white chairs that must have been so brilliant and faded yellow in the damask hangings. A feeling of awe had crept over Griselda as she entered this ancient drawing room. What grand parties must have been here long ago. But as for the dancing, in it now. Dancing, or laughing, or chattering, such a thing was quite impossible to imagine. Miss Griselda crossed the room to where she stood at one corner of the marvelous Chinese cabinet, all black and gold and carvings. It was made in the shape of a temple, or a palace. Griselda was not sure which, anyway. It was very delicious and wonderful, as the door stood one on each side, two salmon mandarins, or to speak more correctly, perhaps I should say a mandarin and his wife, for the right-hand figure was evidently intended to be a lady. Miss Griselda, Miss Grizzle gently touched their heads. Forthwith, to Griselda's astonishment, they began solemnly to nod. Oh, how do you make that do that, Auntie? she exclaimed. Never you mind, my dear. It wouldn't do for you to try any of those things like that to make them nod. They wouldn't like it, replied Miss Grizzle. Respect for your elders, my dear. Always remember that. The Mandarin are many, many years older than you, older than I myself, in fact. Griselda wondered if this was so. How was it that Miss Griselda took such liberties with them herself? But she said nothing. Here's my last summer's potpourri. Touching a great china jar, on a little stand close beside the cabinet. You may smell it, my dear. Griselda buried her little nose inside the fragrant leaves. It's lovely, she said. May I smell it whenever I like? We shall see, replied her auntie. It isn't every little girl, you know, that we could trust to come into this great salon alone. No, Griselda meekly says. Miss Grizzle led the way to the door the opposite way that she had entered. She opened it up and passed through, Griselda following, into a small room. It is on the stroke of ten, Miss Grizzle consulting her watch. Now, my dear, you shall make acquaintance 
with a cuckoo that lived in the clock. Griselda gazed around her eagerly. Where was the clock? She could see nothing in the least like a clock. Only up on the wall, in a corner, was what looked like a miniature house of dark brown carved wood. It was not so very like a house, but certainly had a roof, a roof with a deep projecting curves, and looking closer, yes, it was a clock after all, only the figures which had once been gilt had grown dim with age, like everything else, and the hands were a little distant, and were hardly to be distinguishable from the face. Miss Grizzle stood perfectly still, looking up at the clock, Griselda beside her, in breathless expectation. Precisely, there came a sort of distant rumbling. Something was going to happen. Suddenly, two little doors above the clock face opened, which Griselda had not known were there. They sprang open, and out burst a cuckoo, flapping his wings and uttered his pretty cry, Cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. Miss Grizzle counted aloud, Seven, eight, nine, ten, yes. He never makes a mistake, she added triumphantly. All of these long years, I have never known him to be wrong. There are no such clocks made nowadays, I can assure you, my dear. But it's a clock, and it's not alive. He looked at me, and nodded his head, the cuckoo, before he flapped his wings, and went into his house again. He did, indeed, Auntie, just like saying, How do you do to me? Auntie Griselle smiled, the same old yet pleased smile like Griselda had seen on her face at breakfast. Just what Sibylla used to say she murmured. Well, my dear, she added out loud, it's quite right. He should say, how do you do to you? It's the first time he has seen you, though many of years ago, your great-grandmother, and your father too, when he was a boy. You would find him a good friend and one that could teach you many lessons. What, Auntie? inquired Griselda, looking puzzled. Punctuality, for one thing, and faithful discharge of duty, replied Miss Grizzle. May I come to see the cuckoo, to watch for him to come out sometimes? asked Griselda with excitement, who felt as she could spend all day looking up at this clock and and watching for her little friend's appearance. You will see him several times today, said Auntie, for in this little room I intend to prepare your tasks. It is nice and quiet, and nothing to disturb you, and close to the room where myself and Auntie Tabitha usually sit. So Miss Grizzle opened up a second door in the little room. And, to Griselda's surprise, at the foot of the short light of stairs, 
through the other door. Half open, she caught the sight of her Aunt Tabitha, knitting quietly by the fire. In the room which they had breakfast. What very funny house this is, Auntie Grizzle, she said, as she followed her down those few steps. Every room has many doors, and you come right back to the place where you started. I shall never be able to find my way about. Oh, yes, you will, my dear, very soon. She is very kind, thought Giselda. But I wish she hadn't called my lessons tasks. It makes them sound so dreadfully hard. But anyway, I'm glad to do them in the room where the dear cuckoo lives. Thank you for listening to this story, The Cuckoo Clock. Written by Miss Wadsworth and narrated by Ben Wolfrey. If you have any questions or comments, you can email me at voicechoice.1 at aol.com. Thank you again, and good night.